Looking Back in Time, the history show on KCLR with John Moynihan, funded through the Creative Ireland programme at the Kilkenny County Council Heritage Office, which is supported by the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gwiltot, Sport and Media. Good evening, you're very welcome along to The History Show here on KCLR. I'm John Moynihan and I'm delighted to be back with a brand new series of the programme. Today and every Wednesday after the 6 o'clock news, I'll be here guiding you through a range of topics and discussions, exploring Kilkenny's past. We'll be learning about events in the county 100 years ago as the Irish Civil War drew to its conclusion. We'll be remembering the dance halls during the swinging showband era and we'll be reminiscing on the changing faces of Kilkenny's High Street through the ages, among many other topics. I'd love your thoughts and interaction throughout the programme, so please do get in touch. You can text me on the dinnersready.ie sponsored KCLR text and WhatsApp line on 083 306 9696, or you can email the programme at thehistoryshow at kclr96fm.com. But to tonight's programme, and our look to the past isn't too far ago this evening, it's just last month in fact. Kilkenny Heritage Week 2023 took place in mid-August and featured almost 60 events in total, ranging from walks and guided tours to discussions on owls, witches, sketching classes and everything in between. This evening we're going to look back on Heritage Week, speaking to some of the historical contributors that made their week such a success. First up, we're going to speak to Regina Fitzpatrick. Regina, as well as being an oral historian of note, is also the new Heritage Officer at Kilkenny County Council, having been instated into the role in January of this year. Regina, along with her colleagues in the Heritage Office, were tasked with cultivating the programme of events for 2023, and she reflected upon the experience with me recently. I began by asking Regina to tell me a little bit more about Heritage Week and how it came to fruition in Kilkenny. National Heritage Week is a Heritage Council programme which takes place annually and it's sort of been growing from strength to strength really since it started uh, a number of years ago. Um, And the theme of Heritage Week this year was living heritage. So the the focus, I suppose, was very much around practices, knowledge, skills, folklore, ways of life that have been passed down from one generation to the next. Um, So that made for a really interesting week in that a lot of it was about storytelling. Uh, A lot of it, people were interpreting that theme of living heritage in various different ways from the way I just described it, but also around living heritage in terms of the biodiversity and the natural heritage that surrounds us. Um, So it it took place from the 12th to the 20th Uh, in Kilkenny. We had over 50 events this year, which was super. And we also had, um, I suppose, uh, really large attendances. And I think that was kind of falling into a pattern nationwide. Attendances seemed to be really up. The weather was good on the week. Um, And I think last year people were still, I suppose, coming out of COVID. And this year people were back back with a bang. in terms of highlights of the week, it's kind of it's kind of tricky, I suppose, to select um, anything in particular. But um, there were some just fantastic community-run events. I mean, I'm I'm new to the role of heritage officer. I just started this year in January, and what I was really struck by um, during Heritage Week when I was attending events and meeting people is the level of 
care and engagement and dedication communities across the county have in terms of being guardians of their heritage. So there were some wonderful events. Um, for example, they had a historical walk out in Pilltown that was really well attended. Um, I know the Callan Heritage Society had a history of Callan Bacon and the 16 mills on the Owenry um, River. Um, and I think milling seemed to be a bit of a theme that came up this year. We had events in, in a snag and a Boland mill as well um, around milling another one in Mullnavat. Um, and there seems to be such a great interest in that and in restoring that aspect of our, I suppose, industrial heritage. I loved the City Walls tour that took place um, as well this year. Um, Colleen O'Driscoll, um, who was the Director of Excavations on Talbot's Tower, which is one of the towers of the City Walls in Kilkenny. Um, and Colleen now is an archaeologist with the National Monument Service, and he very kindly came um, and met us and uh, started a tour at Talbot's Tower. Um, which was supposed to be a two hour tour, but it ended up being a real tour de force. It was uh, three and a half hours long as we walked along the city walls and visited the towers. And he'd managed to get keys so that we could get into Talbot's Tower. We could get into the Magdalen Tower. And he just brought the whole medieval city alive to everybody there. And I think it's a testament to how engaging he was that we had about two thirds of the crowd still with us three and a half hours later. You were, people who were there were just so interested in it. We had a lovely Holy Wells event as well. So Kilkenny Heritage Office this year is doing a survey of Holy Wells in the county. Uh, we want to, to document and record and map all of them and collect folklore and ritual and tradition around those wells. So we had a really um, lovely uh, event at John's Well which was facilitated by Shanark Archaeology, who are doing this project for Kilkenny County Council. And people came along and talked about their local wells, the traditions associated with them, uh, stories about them for the past. It was just a lovely Saturday afternoon out in John's Well, and we had a lovely crowd there for that too. Kilkenny Libraries always put on a fantastic programme of events during Heritage Week. This year was no exception. Um, they had Owen Swithin Walsh in to give kind of a recap of the decade of centenaries and reflect on how it's been commemorated um, as we come into, as we're in the last year of the, the decade of, of centenaries. Uh, they also had these fantastic one-to-one uh, -one opportunities to meet with a genealogist and to, you know, ask about your family history and sources around family history and that sort of thing. Um, so that was lovely and and kind of quirky events as well. Um, uh, and Caroline Distel, who's a local heritage practitioner, she did a fantastic workshop on mapping milk churn stands around the county and mapping various aspects of, of our heritage. Larry Scanlon always does a fantastic job in showcasing our military heritage. Um, he ran a nightly tour around the city of sites associated with 1923, and he was dressed up in the, the vintage uniform. And um, he there were some kids on the tour, and they were all kind of given a cap or a, an aspect of a soldier's uniform or a little prop to carry. Um, and that was a wonderful event. So, I mean... I could, I could go on, I suppose. The Medieval Mile Museum did fantastic events, St. Canis's Cathedral, Roth House, 
it was just a really fantastic celebration of, of our built cultural and our natural heritage. It sounds like a really fantastic collection of events, Regina. Fair play to everyone involved. As you've touched upon, there were some historical walks and trails as part of the programme of events. What a great way to bring active history to life. And you had plenty of them across the week, didn't you? Yeah, so Daniel O'Mahony is an archaeologist who had done work on Newtown Gerpoint, which is just a fascinating, fascinating heritage site, um, which I think more people should know about. It's really, really interesting. Near Gerpoint Abbey there for people who know the area. Um, that was excellent. Um, the Piltown Historical Walk was fantastic as well. They had a wonderful turnout around there. And there's a number of biodiversity walks actually as well around the city, um, which were run by Maura Brennan from the Acorn Project. Um, there was also a fabulous seed saving walk out in Callan. Um, so those those were really nice events because it's just really what's lovely about these events. It's not just, I suppose, the content of the events themselves, but it's a gathering of people who are all interested in that thing. So it's an opportunity to meet and chat with people who have a similar interest. And and what was lovely is that and a lot of these tours that were around the city um, and around the county, people brought their own knowledge to enrich the tours as well. And that really kind of shone through um, in a lot of the events. Um, I'm thinking, for example, there was a really interesting workshop down in the Roar graveyard um, by the Irish, was run by the Irish Geological Association on the geology and geobiology of the graveyard, looking at the rocks, basically, that the headstones are made of, that the walls are made of. And uh, people brought their own story to that. Um, equally, there was a lovely talk at the Thompel Medieval Church in Grenon. Um, for people who know Thomastown Hurlandfield, it's the old kind of medieval church up on the left hand side as you go down there. And there was a wonderful talk there organised by Thomastown Community Network. And again, lots of people from the area bringing their stories to enrich the talk that was happening. So that was really nice. I know there was a heritage walk on Brandon Hill as well. I didn't I didn't make it to that one. Uh, but, you know, by all accounts, you know, there was wonderful events. Um, and then, of course, there was a lot of events as well for children, which was really lovely. And this is kind of where Kilkenny Castle shone through, where the medieval mile shone through this real sort of bringing heritage to life for children, which is so important. Um, they ran a really great children's archaeology workshop there. Uh, it was in the Parade Tower, and that was that was really great. And there was storytelling in St. Canis's Cathedral as well. Um, yeah, so there was all sorts of, and in terms of walking tours as well, Aina Nilauna did a, a nature boat tour out in Gregnamana on Water Heritage Day, which was uh, a day to celebrate all aspects of our, our water river heritage. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting events, really a really wide variety of events and and a sort of a real variety in terms of audience as well, in terms of not just age group, but, you know, parts of the county and all of that. Regina, as you said earlier, you've been in the role of Heritage Officer since January. This was your first Heritage Week at the helm. And by all accounts, it was a very successful and jam-packed week. I can only imagine that it must have been a very busy time for you. Yeah, it is. It is busy. But um, look, I, I think in terms of the events themselves, we ran a couple of events from the Heritage Office, but the majority of the events were organised and hosted and promoted by by individuals, community groups and organisations, which was great. And they simply uploaded 
their events onto the um, Heritage Week portal, which was really kind of um, had improved this year. You know, it was really a, a great facility for community groups. And I suppose my role really was to just help promote events and support events. Um, I absolutely loved it, I have to say. Um, I think, I suppose, since I started in the role, I've been trying to get out and about and meet, you know, as many people as I can. Uh, but obviously there's a there's a, a job of work to be done in delivering projects and delivering the heritage program for the year. So Heritage Week was a real license for me to be out and about and meeting as many people as possible and seeing who's behind all of these projects and getting ideas for projects we might run in the future. So it was a really, really exciting week, I have to say. Um, you know, for example, I went down to Tullahocht, um, one of the nights, and they had a lovely event where they were screening kind of old film footage from the area, which is just um, a joy. It was it was lovely it was just seeing people enjoy their own heritage and appreciate their own heritage so much. And it was a, it was a really inspiring week, I have to say. So Regina, Heritage Week 2023 has come and gone for another year. What's next on the agenda? What historical events can people across the county look forward to in the coming months? We have a few things coming up uh, before the end of the year. One of the things we're working at at the moment is a survey of Holy Wells around County Kilkenny. And we have a Facebook uh, page uh, to support that um, Kilkenny Holy Wells. And we're really actively looking for people to tell their stories and their traditions and customs around Holy Wells in their area. So that's one thing coming up. We're also hoping to have an event that really celebrates, I suppose, the decade of centenaries. Um, so I've been putting together a database of all of the events that have and projects that have taken place around the county um, during the decade of centenaries to commemorate the revolutionary period and you know World War One uh, and all of that. So we're hoping to put together a booklet that will celebrate all of those events and the communities that put so much work into remembering that time and having a little event sort of to um, to launch that towards the end of the year. Um, it, it was an idea that came in actually from one of the county councillors. He was saying, gosh, you know, um, one of the things that that decade has done is that it's really, I suppose, um, encouraged people to talk about that period and it's, you know, a lot of the silences that existed around that period um, continue, but some of them have some some stories have come to the fore and people have been more open about talking about those events, whereas maybe they might not have felt comfortable talking about them before. Um, so I suppose we wanted to celebrate that by bringing people together um, to mark the end of the decade of centenaries. Um, so those are just two things that are coming up. And um, yeah, so we, we look forward to, to more events then in 2024. A big thank you to Regina Fitzpatrick, Heritage Officer with Kilkenny County Council for taking the time to speak with me on the programme, looking back on Kilkenny Heritage Week 2023. It's time for a commercial break now, but do stay tuned because when we come back, I'll be speaking to a historian who is seeking people from Kilkenny to contribute to a very valuable oral history project. Tomás Maconmara is next. Don't go away. Looking back in time, the history show on KCLOR, funded through the Creative Ireland programme at the Kilkenny County Council Heritage Office, which is supported by the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gwiltoch, Sport and Media. You're listening to the history show on KCLOR with John Moynihan. 
You're very welcome back to the programme. One of the talks at Kilkenny Heritage Week 2023 saw locals being asked to contribute to a piece which hopes to find out more about their ancestors who may have fought in the Irish Civil War, World Wars and others. The Kilkenny Decade of Centenary's Oral History Project is the birth child of oral historian Tomás McConmara. Tomás, who is also the director of McConmara Heritage Consulting, spoke to me recently about the project and what it is that he's hoping to achieve. The History Show on KCLR with John Moynihan. Very, very happy to, to talk about the project because it is really important that the people of Kilkenny buy into the idea of the project. And I know that certainly those people who are connected to the revolutionary period from whatever perspective will understand the significance of it. But like a lot of the projects that will come out of the Heritage Office in Kilkenny County Council, you know, there is a desire to create more interest, to create more awareness and to create more engagement in uh, the heritage of Kilkenny, the history of Kilkenny. So I guess uh, connecting it with Heritage Heritage Week was really important as part of that cultivation, hopefully, of a relationship. The project itself is called the Kilkenny Decade of Centenary's Oral History Project. And effectively, it aims to document the memories initially of 10 people who are connected through family uh, to the revolutionary period. Now, that will include, of course, the War of Independence. It will also include the Civil War and, very importantly, will have um, the perspective of both anti- and pro-treaty uh, positions. And, of course, as well, it will hope to meet, or within it, will hope to meet with people who are connected to the First World War. So, within those 10 interviewees, we hope to get a sense of the impact of that period on Kilkenny, but also really importantly the impact in terms of the memory and the legacy of those incidents because you know it's really important to consider even from the Kilkenny perspective that across the period of 1914 through to 1923 you had such upheaval and such significant historical episodes all intertwined into that uh, you know less than 10 year period so for for young men and young women who were maybe born at the end of the 19th century say between 1895 and maybe 1901 1902 you know the likelihood is that their early adulthood would be defined by you know the first global war uh, in in reality and then the most significant guerrilla warfare to have taken place in Ireland certainly in centuries and maybe in the context of the way it transpired the most significant guerrilla warfare rebellion that took place in Irish history and it all played out in their early adulthood across all of this period so i guess for us and for Regina Fitzpatrick, who is the Kilkenny Heritage Officer, it was really important as we've now reached the end of the decade of centenaries to take another look and see who in Kilkenny is there now that can help us to document and narrate that story. And of course, we've moved on to the generation past those who fought directly in these wars, but we do still have in Kilkenny today in 2023, people whose parents were directly involved. We have, you know, men and women whose fathers were young IRA volunteers, were young Free State soldiers, were young British Army officers or some other army uh, soldier in the First World War. And it won't be too long before that 
connection to those men and women will be gone. So it, it, it's something that I personally have been involved in for a lot of years uh, in terms of, of documenting that memory in different parts of Ireland. So I was delighted when uh, our, our consultancy was commissioned by Kilkenny County Council to take on this project and to help document some of those memories that are really so vital uh, to understanding that period of Irish history, that period of Kilkenny history, but also the impact of it uh, and the way in which it was remembered throughout the following uh, decades. We've been reaching out to people directly across Kilkenny uh, who would have previously made contact with the Kilkenny Heritage Office and with Regina Fitzpatrick um, with uh, their connections to the revolutionary period. And we've been working through those contacts to establish a candidate list of interviewees across Kilkenny. But we're very much at the early stages, John. So, you know, if there are people listening in to KCLR, you know, who feel, you know, that themselves or you know their parent or their grandparent has a really strong connection or really strong oral tradition relating to that whole period of Irish history then we would really love to hear from them and you know to, to hear about their connection and then if it is possible we will uh, interview them as part of this project so uh, we, we do very much want the people of Kilkenny to, to connect in with us. If people anywhere across Kilkenny feel as I said that they have a relative or you know they themselves perhaps are, are, are related to somebody who fought in the war of independence or the first world war or the civil war um, or, or who experienced it as well because it isn't just the people who fought you know there are you know people in common among there are people who who uh, you know offered safe houses there are, are people whose whose sons or brothers or, or, or uncles were killed in the first world war that may have tradition and may have testimony as to how the period impacted on them they can contact us they can contact me directly on 087-916-0373 or at Makanmara Heritage at gmail.com or of course they can directly ring Kilkenny County Council and Regina Fitzpatrick the heritage officer there will be quite happy to pass on any contact details so you know we'll be very easy to find and we'll be delighted to hear from anybody across uh, Kilkenny who might have those uh, connections and maybe it's worth uh, outlining, you know, the, the significance of that oral tradition, because sometimes people f feel that unless they have maybe specific history or they have specific dates or something really militarily significant, then maybe it's not of interest, but it, it is of huge interest. And we're really trying to to, to collect the human story of that period and the human story of how that period was remembered and how it was silenced in some ways. Because oftentimes when I speak to people whose maybe whose fathers were involved or whose mothers were involved, the, the first thing that they would say to me is that you know, they didn't speak much about it, that they didn't talk much about it, particularly with the Civil War. You know, and there were a number of people like Jim Egan, for example, was killed uh, during the Civil War. Jim was from uh, Paula Capel in, in, in Tipperary, but had operated in Kilkenny throughout that whole period. Um, you know, and the, the, the silence that descends in that family is quite potent, but it's not total. So there, there will always be some element of, uh, of tradition, story, memory as to how it was remembered. And I think I want to really labour that with people who might be listening in, you know, that there can be these tiny little moments of recollection that, that, that surface uh, across a person's life. And OK, somebody may not have given chapter and verse about their involvement in um, whatever part of that period. They certainly will have given some revelation 
question to the attentive listener or to the attentive observer about how that period impacted on them. And, uh, you know, these little moments of memory can be so important uh, when we when we have them documented and we have them as, as assets to improve our understanding of that time and resources that can help us cultivate that sense of, of, of appreciation. So w- w- we really want to cast that blanket out wide in that sense and reassure people that their memory, their tradition is of importance. And if it only is to write it into us and that we include it within an archive, then that's absolutely fine. But of course, if it's um, appropriate, then it might move on to an actual interview stage. Uh, so it, 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 it's, it's, it's critical as well, I guess, that um, we recognize within the experience of people, let's say who may be in their 80s now, that they would have experienced the commemorations the funerals of people who were directly involved. So in the case of Pat Welch, for example, who uh, was, was fatally wounded in, in, in uh, Tullerone in 1921, um, and there is a monument to him now in Dunamagan, you know, people will remember that. And I've already spoken to people who recall Tom Barry coming to speak in Dunamagan in 1951 when that monument was unveiled. So that is a key moment in the memory landscape of the revolutionary period. So people who can recall that or can recall commemorations or can recall, as I said, funerals of former um, IRA volunteers or free state uh, officers or, in fact, First World War One, um, you know, uh, soldiers as well is is really really critical. So there there is a, 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 a rich landscape of memory there that we can read if we learn how to read it and understand. I think the significance of those moments within the memory of Kilkenny relating to that overall period. We hope to get this phase completed by the end of of 2023. And of course, you know, oral history takes a period of time in terms of the processing and archiving of material. But I know certainly from Regina Fitzpatrick, who it should be said. Is is one of the finest oral historians in the country. Um, she certainly will be uh, determined to ensure that we, we we turn that around into a resource for the public at some point in 2024. But of course, it is important as well to go through the proper protocols. We ensure that this is ethically recorded, ethically processed and archived. And then, of course, when it gets to the point when it's made available to the public, that that is all ethically done as well, because we have to first and foremost take care of the people who come forward and agree to do an interview and it is all very sensitively handled and this is again a point of reassurance for the public that certainly my approach to doing interviews is is, is very sensitive and and very attentive to the people and not to try and cause any difficulty and it isn't um, even though we're dealing with a period that was tremendously sensitive in the past um, certainly what we're trying to document um, shouldn't cause any concern for people to speak about it at this point um, because we're not trying to um, you know encourage uh, that type of controversy of course, people are open and it's important to try and, you know, document as, as vivid and rich and accurate a, an account as possible of how it was remembered and so on. But it's certainly something people can comfortably engage in. And then when it is made available, uh, it will be a very rich resource for you know the people of Kilkenny and indeed for people around the country who are interested in that period. And I suspect the earliest sort of version of that access would be uh, some form of sample audio that will be made 
made available through the Kilkenny uh, Heritage Office and Library uh, who will be centrally involved in the preservation of the material as well. So it will be a very rich resource. I suppose from my perspective, I am very determined now to ensure that we, you know, document as much memory as possible, that we engage with, you know, people across Kilkenny who are connected to this period and we record their memory. And, you know, we, we are just there to record that memory for the people of Kilkenny. It's not our memory. I'm very conscious as a Clareman, you know, coming in to any other county. Uh, I, I appreciate the sensitivity and the ownership of that memory by the Kilkenny people, be it World War One. Uh, war of Independence or Civil War but we're just helping through Regina Fitzpatrick's work in the Kilkenny Heritage Office uh, to to document and preserve that before it's lost. Tomás McConmara there, Director of McConmara Heritage Consulting telling me more about the Kilkenny Decade of Centenary's oral history project and the best of luck to him and his team as they set about that research. We look forward to hopefully having him on the programme again soon to report upon his findings. It's time for another commercial break now, but don't go too far because after the break, we'll be hearing about a long-lost small town in the heart of County Kilkenny. Talk to you in two. You're listening to The History Show on KCLR, funded through the Creative Ireland programme at the Kilkenny County Council Heritage Office, which is supported by the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gwaeltoc, Sport and Media. You're listening to The History Show on KCLR with John Moynihan. And you're welcome back to part three of The History Show. Now, are you familiar with the long forgotten small town of Newtown Jurpoint? Well, during Heritage Week 2023, Daniel O'Mahony, a PhD student at the School of Archaeology at UCD, conducted an archaeological tour of the area. I spoke to Daniel recently and he explained more to me about the medieval lost town of Newtown Jurpoint. Wednesday nights from six, this is KCLR's History Show. We got it! First of all, Daniel, can you give me a historical overview of Newtown Jurpoint? So, Newtown Jurpoint is a town, was a town or a, a village um, about a kilometre upstream from uh, Thomastown on the River Nore, on the banks of the River Nore. Uh, it was founded around the start of the 13th century, so around 1200, possibly by William Marshall or uh, one of his um, one of his uh, tenants, one of uh, of in October, who is by the name of uh, Griffith Fitzwilliam, and the town then uh, existed for about five hundred years, up until around seventeen hundred, the end of the the seventeenth century. Uh, it seems to disappear from the records, and in that time, you know, it obviously declined. It boomed at the beginning for about one hundred and fifty years, uh, kind of expanded maybe to about two hundred people, and then declined over the rest of the medieval period. Um, until it became completely deserted. And so, like, it was a village or a town kind of like any other at the, t- at the time. It had streets, it had uh, houses uh, lining the streets, it had a, a large medieval parish church, it had two mills. So it was a bustling little town, and the people were generally occupied either with agriculture or with limited uh, crafts um, in industry, like milling and uh, brewing and that kind of thing as well. And um, 
Yeah, so so that's it, and and like like Thomas Town, it it was on the river, so it was involved in trade up and down the river to to Kilkenny between Kilkenny and New Ross, and uh, kind of depended on Thomas Town economically, and I suppose then as the period went on, it it as it diminished, um, the people probably left and t- moved towards Thomas Town and larger places, and uh, and the place depopulated. For those listeners that might be unfamiliar, Daniel, there's plenty of ruins in the village, isn't there? Including a church, yes? That's right. So uh, when we do our tour then at, at Heritage Week, um, well, what the people see, what you see is uh, basically a big field full of trees and you can see the uh, outline of the streets, where the streets were. You can see the lines, the boundaries between the individual house plots. You can see the mill, the ruins of the mill buildings on the river, the small river, the Little Argyll River, which separates the town from uh, the well-known Cistercian Monastery at Point Abbey. And you could, there's a large medieval church there in the town as well, which would have catered to the parish, the medieval parish of of Newtown Point or Point Church, which uh, takes in all the, the townlands around uh, Point townland to the, to the south and to the west. Um, so it would have been the centre of, of really of that, that kind of manor, um, of that medieval manor, and uh, it would have been a kind of a central place for the people. They would have gone to mill their corn, and they would have gone there to, to go to mass and for other kind of um, administrative, kind of judicial uh, functions as well. So it was an important place for about three, four hundred years, and then from around 1500 onward, it's it really... Uh, in that century, it kind of seems to just drop off and then we stop hearing about it throughout the uh, 1600s then. And then in, in, in the 1700s, there's a change in the landscape and new owners come in after various kind of wars and various things that happened in the 1600s, the Cromwellian War and then and towards the end of the century, the William White War. And then after that, you've got new, new land ownership, new Protestant uh, land ownership particularly, and lots of these little places, which were probably reduced to only a hamlet at this stage, only a small, small number of houses, they were completely wiped away and nothing was left. Earl Belmore had a residence in Newtown Durpoint, didn't he? At Belmore House. Can you tell us more about that? So, yeah, so then after the, the town itself was um, abandoned completely, there was no one left there. Um, in around 1780, uh, the Earl, Earl Belmore from um, Castle Cool in Fermanagh, he, he came down and he uh, rented the land from the Hunt family who were in possession of the land at the time. And he built the, the, the hunting lodge, which is there currently known as Belmore House. Um, which is just beside where the village ruins are. And um, so if you visit today, you'll, you'll go to you'll Belmore House and that's where you'll meet uh, Joe and Maeve O'Connell who uh, own the land and the property and they during the summer months they provide tours. And um, you'll go from there then down to, to the town, the location of the town, which is just on the banks of the river. And you can, you know, you can pretty much see where the town was. And, you know, you can see the abbey, in the, the Shorepoint Abbey in the background and uh, the, um, the, 
medieval church and all of that there. So. Now this one blows my mind. Legend has it that St Nicholas, the saint that inspired Santa Claus, is buried in Newtown Jerpoint. So folklore, local folklore, um, uh, holds that that is the case. And um, there's no, well there's no archaeological evidence to support that. There's also um, a possibility that there could be a, a relic could have been taken from uh, the burial place of St. Nicholas and brought back to a church like the one in, in, in uh, St. Nicholas's church in, in Newtown, Jarpoint. So that's the, that's the legend anyway, and that's the, that's the folklore there. Archaeology is your main area of expertise, Daniel. Is it fair to say that Newtown, Jarpoint is one of Ireland's best surviving examples of a deserted 12th century medieval town? It is, yeah. So... There are a couple of other uh, sites similar, um, one written down in, in, in Roscommon and and um, uh, Clon Mines in Wexford, but uh, Newtown Jarpoint has is is pretty exceptional because you can, especially for more aerial photographs, you can see the layout really really clearly. Uh, there's there's just so much um, historical evidence, and what we've done then on top of that is we've done a geophysical uh, scan of the ground. And to reveal further detail under the surface, and we were able to tell then the how much change occurred um, to the layout of the uh, of the town over the medieval period, how it uh, expanded and it contra- how it contracted, and, and how you know its 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 overall extent. And it's, it has, it appears now that it's it is very the remains are far more connected to the overall uh, landscape you know than previously thought so there's lots of there's lots of evidence just outside the actual town itself lots of little artworks and lots of little uh, evidence in the in the landscape which which all links together with the the medieval landscape of, of which uh, Newtown Joy Point was a part and the, of course the Thomas town was also a part of that landscape and so was uh the abbey on the other side of the river so it was all connected together in the medieval period you did a guided tour of the site on heritage week of course how did that go during the heritage week tours uh, i've given a few of them now at the latest one this year uh there's always a good turnout and most most of the people who show up are from the local area they're from like around thomastown and around jar point so they're people who have been they're aware you know all along that this site was there but they weren't really too sure on it, about it and they wanted to learn more so you know they all showed up and um you know they they all they were all very engaged and they were interested in their local history you know and asked lots of questions and they you know they were interested and they, they seemed pretty pretty happy going away daniel have you any more information on how our listeners can find out more about newtown jarpoint for people who want to find out more i suppose you can visit there again like in, in the summer months they, they have the, the o'connor's have a website jarpoint park and um, i think it's jarpointpark.com and uh, you know you can check there for details of when they, uh, they're open for, for the public for tours but it's generally the late spring and the summer and early autumn they're open there and you can you can come along our, our, our next next year again Heritage Week uh, it, there'll be an open uh, day tour there again so that'll be another opportunity to, to learn about the site. 
Thanks once again to Daniel O'Mahony, PhD student at the School of Archaeology at UCD, for explaining more to us about the lost medieval town of Newtown Jurpoint. And as Daniel was saying there, for more information on that, you can go to jurpointpark.com. The History Show on KCLOR, funded through the Creative Ireland programme at the Kilkenny County Council Heritage Office, which is supported by the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gwiltoch, Sport and Media.